0: Hey, my work is to over. Okay. I'm a tube uh, driver,
1: I'm I've so been a private hire for the last four. I work at I work at trains and maintenance. Um, team so I'm a support um, worker.
2: Hello, I'm Mark Thomas, and welcome to Key Words, the podcast that talks to key workers about their experience of working through the pandemic. Episode one, in plain sight. Politics is the art of remembering over forgetting. Unless, of course, you're Boris Johnson, when politics is the art of forgetting. Forgetting what you said, forgetting what you promised, forgetting who you are with, where you are on holiday, how many Cobra meetings you missed, forgetting all the lies, because for God's sake, who can actually remember all of that? But for the rest of us, let's remember. Let's remember February 2020, when COVID-19 raged from Wuhan to Italy and one month before the delayed UK lockdown, Priti Patel described anyone earning under £25,000 a year to be low-skilled. Half the working population earn less than £25,000. Half the UK are low-skilled, according to Priti Patel. Now, this stems from the Tory original sin equating low pay with low value and therefore high pay with high value. Which, of course, is a fallacy because if you've ever been in a car accident, the last thing you want to hear is, let me through, I'm a hedge fund manager. Right, we're going to start by outsourcing your lungs and privatizing your liver. Likewise, if you're in a pandemic crisis, trying to organise a test and trace system, the last thing you want to hear is, let me through, I go horse riding with Matt Hancock. It was a sign of how desperate the crisis was that the Tories started praising the working class, something that is normally reserved for wartime. As a rule of thumb with the Tories, they hate the working class unless they're stepping on a landmine. Suddenly, the low-skilled became... Key workers. As if the Tories suddenly discovered the working class. Well, we just opened the airing cupboard and there they were. They're absolutely marvellous. They really are. I mean, many of them have got missing teeth and missing fingers, but, you know, we wouldn't be without them now. We really wouldn't. It was as if the working class had been hiding in plain sight. This is how Julia, who is a care assistant in a home for the elderly, sees the idea of a key worker.
3: They call us key workers, yes? All the people who start the morning wake up england you know wake up the country and uh, we do the jobs the real jobs nurses let's call it carers let's call it people working in a in a supermarket uh, drivers buses or whatever delivery people i mean people who who just clean the streets when we finish the month We pay our
2: taxes. For some Tory ministers, a key worker is someone who does the locks when you've forgotten your safe word. For others, it was a way of talking about the C word, class, without actually having the bad taste to, you know, actually mention it. Whatever the etymology of the words, key workers, well, they landed with a thud early last year, and class was at the centre of it. As a bus driver, Mike saw firsthand who his fellow key workers
1: were driving a bus, especially in the first bus, is how many people are out at four o'clock in the morning. You know, and they're generally care staff and cleaners and, 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 you know, people who have no choice but to go to work.
2: The definition of a key worker was always broader than just the emergency services and the NHS. For me, perhaps the best descriptions of key workers come from the people who transported them. Unjum and Phil are tube drivers with London Underground. This is unjump first, and then Phil.
1: In the early days, we had serious problems of continued overcrowding on our trains, uh, particularly during the peaks. Most of
2: those would have been, um, you could see it, poor workers, construction workers, migrant workers, um, people who simply couldn't afford um, to, uh, to isolate. It was impossible.
4: You know, whether they're on low pay or zero hour contracts, and these, uh, you know, these were the people who were keeping the uh, city running, really. So people in the workplace were saying, we should just shut the tube down now. That's it. And we had to have them arguments and say, actually, we can't do that because we need to keep the tube open for NHS workers, for other essential workers. And they said, but look at look at East London, are they essential workers? And we said, well, actually, you know what? Um, it's essential to them because while construction sites are still open, they they're not going to get paid if they don't go to work. So unless the government completely change that policy and pay everyone to stay at home, then it is essential work to to them who who have a family and have to put money on the table.
2: Shortly after discovering that being Prime Minister involved more than just shaking hands with everyone and never paying for a holiday, Johnson declared the building sites to be open throughout the pandemic. He might not have followed the science, but he was certainly following the donors. And after all, someone was going to have to hang his wallpaper. We're all in it together, they shouted. Meanwhile, an anonymous Tory donor had a butler deliver £27,000 worth of organic takeaways to Downing Street. Johnson ate over the national average wage in takeaway. He literally ate his way into the highly skilled workforce. For those without a butler, well, they were forced to travel. Emma is a special educational needs teacher and has worked with food banks before and during the pandemic.
0: The government are telling families that we need to stay home. We need to stay home, we need to be safe. Unless you are a family who are on free school meals. And then it's absolutely fine for you to go on a bus trip halfway around where you live to go and collect a food box with half a pepper and six slices of
2: bread. If Dominic Cummings ever needed another excuse, there it is. He was collecting a food parcel. Class. It's always been there in plain sight, and you don't need to drive to Barnard Castle to see it. My favourite definition of key workers comes from Carlos, another tube driver.
1: Key workers, I think we know, certainly in this country, key workers is a a, a colloquialism for someone being shafted. I mean, we've got no key workers who are, are, are doing great.
2: As the pandemic progressed, and with no vaccine in sight at that stage, social distancing was the best weapon we had. So as we huddled away, key workers got on with the tasks in hand. As a trade union organiser and former bin man, Chris notes what was expected.
3: A bin man at a street cleaner has became part of the Fabric Society, I call it, right? They're always there, right? You just look out and you see, oh, there's my bin man. You don't take notice because you know he's going to be there every single week. Right? It's not until that week that he doesn't turn up a big, horrible news starts, because everybody wants their street cleaned and everybody wants their bins emptied.
2: I am convinced that even after an apocalypse, there will be survivors who look at the wasteland before them and say, kin council, I don't know why we pay our council tax. Chris goes on to raise what I think is a rather crucial point in all of this, that it's in times of crisis that we look to each other and see who we really depend upon.
3: The people that went to work at half past six in the morning and before the bin men came there didn't really see what a bin man did to collect the rubbish or a street cleaner did or a guy had to drive out big HGV lorry around that wee tight street without hitting anybody's car. They really didn't see that. When people started working through home or people that were furloughed they started to take note and going oh my God, is that is that how that guy collects that rubbish? So there was a i a, a bit of understanding what the job had become. as a, There was Mary an appreciation for the public for COVID to a refuse collector and a street cleaner and a driver. It was nice to get the cards or a wee box of chocolates left at the side of the bin. You know what I mean? It was nice. It was nice. Or, or to create a juice.
2: From the rainbows in the windows and the children's drawings, from hearts on the walls... It was clear that we knew exactly who was bearing the risk in this pandemic and we wanted to show respect and say thank you. And Chris was far from the only one to show some tenderness in the appreciation shown. Luke is a postie and he picks up from where Chris leaves off.
1: So, yeah, no, I was left uh, a, a chocolate bar one day with a little note, thank you, you know, a couple of beers, yeah, all, all, anything people had lying about, really. I, don't, I suppose a lot of people couldn't go for the shop, so it'd be... Sometimes it would be something random, a bit of fruit, but, you know, it's all really well-received for us. Life,
2: however, is not a bowl of cherries, even if some of them have been left by the front doorstep. People
1: are saying, been waiting for three days. This parcel was meant to come three days ago, and, you know, a complete underestimation for, well, a lot of our colleagues are off sick. There was um, colleagues of as we lost. There's um, colleagues still in intensive care. You can imagine if the shops are shut, if everyone's stuck indoors, they're ordering like mad and and not everything is important you
2: know. Maybe some of Johnson's entitlement for his deliveries trickled down to us. Despite our offerings of fruit and beer for those working in the gig economy, the so-called self-employed working for Amazon, the pandemic was business as usual and business sucked.
1: You only get a confirmation of the day you're working the day before and then sometimes even on the morning of the day you're supposed to be going to work you could get cancelled then you start the morning. You load your van with bags, um, lots of bags of boxes. You just basically fill the van with parcels. Then deliver parcels for the rest of the day, being guided by the Amazon application, which basically just tells you where to go, where to turn. What you have to do is, if you're running late, if you're not going to do it in time, you have to get one of your fellow employees. You have to to, to come and collect some of your parcels and to do a chunk of that of that route for you, and then. If you do that, then you're expected to pay um, some of your daily kind of rate to the person who's taking a chunk of your parcels. It's really, really stressful. I have this sign. It's like like a a, a laminated sign in the front of my van, Amazon key worker. And then and and you're, you're dropping off all these parcels. And on the front of everyone's door, this is like height of the pandemic, it's like, thank you, Amazon man, thank you. Uh, Postman, thank you NHS, thank you key workers. So many signs of people just so grateful and thanking you for like, you know, just for doing the job. But I mean, sometimes the packages break open and you see what what you're delivering. I was delivering a four pack of polo mints to one guy. Yeah, no, it was was a joke. It felt daft to me, it felt really daft. I didn't feel like it was a key worker, absolutely not. I'd joke about it, but I certainly didn't feel like I was doing anything particularly useful, no.
2: It is my belief that the best Amazon delivery will be a delivery to Amazon and that delivery would be a tax bill. You could leave it with Google if they were out, perhaps behind the bins. Better still, give it to the bloke who's sharing the Jeff Bezos space capsule. Nothing would focus his mind in zero gravity quite like having a tax bill for billions floating slowly towards him. Jeff Bezos, you might be off planet, but we shall find a way of getting you on shore. As a rule of thumb, The jobs with actual social value are the ones you have to wear high-vis for, or at least some actual protective clothing. And by that, I mean proper PPE, not just cosplay jackets with the words Prime Minister written on the back of it. High-vis, though, has the ironic consequence of making the wearer invisible to the public. Marion is a cleaner on the London Underground, and he understands that feeling all too well.
4: You're just there, and you do what you're supposed to do. And that's it. They see our job as a business and uh, not as a service that actually have a public value. And there are uh, some people that yeah will notice you. They will stop and say thank you. They will uh, uh, greet you. But most of the people just pass through.
2: Jackie works residentially with people with learning disabilities, and the increased visibility had cons as well as pros.
4: People sort of kept the distance when when they spoke to me. (laughs) I noticed that. Um, And then when it was VE day and I was going into work, um, they were having a little bit of a street party and, um, you know, they gave me a clap as I was leaving, which was a bit embarrassing, but there you go.
2: Suddenly, everyone was clapping. Even Nigel Farage, who wants to sell off the NHS, he posted a video of himself bashing pots and pans in the streets, though he did have a confused look on his face as if to say, what the bloody hell are these for? The gesture of clapping was heartfelt by many, and it cost nothing. A fact that must have driven Johnson to his doorstep, eager to pound his hands like beaten steaks. Carol, another care worker, found it particularly galling.
0: My husband, when they started, my husband did say to me, this is for you as well, Carol. But it didn't feel that way. I think what we need, what we truly, really need is to be valued better and be given the recognition that we do deserve by paying us the real living wage. I mean, yeah, it would be nice to get a bonus like colleagues in Wales and Scotland. you know what I mean? It's about doing the right thing, and that's what we need. And We're we're caring for some of the most vulnerable adults Mm. in society, ensuring their safety, ensuring that the daily needs are met, but yet we're not receiving any help. We're not receiving any safety net. Last year, when we started with a COVID, we were promised as key workers that we would be valued.
2: When Johnson, the man who epitomises being fucking useless, calls Hancock fucking useless, that is off the scale of fucking useless. It's nigh on impossible to calculate exactly how fucking useless Hancock is without firing him around a Hadron Collider, something which I would happily organise. In the first wave of the pandemic, 850 health and social care workers died. Over 25,000 residents were released into care homes before testing was introduced. Over 30,000 people died of COVID-19 in care homes, and Hancock issues a badge with the word care on it. For many people, it simply wasn't enough to have a badge. Mary works as a care assistant, and during the pandemic went on strike for better pay conditions and union recognition.
5: I feel horrible. I feel undervalued. I feel that they don't care about us. And even I feel that, especially in a nursing home, carers are doing the main job. Because even nurses, they usually don't go inside the room they always say to the carers please you go you give medication everything The trustees one day they call us to go downstairs for a, have a meeting by online so, on, they put their TV on and they say thank you and they order a uh, pizza and I was really upset about that because. I was thinking, instead of pizza, why not proper PPE? Instead of pizza, why don't have a full sick pay? Instead of pizza, why they don't give uh, good wages, good pay for an hour, 12 pounds per hour? Or instead of pizza, why they don't give more annual leave? Only pizza, that is only that we deserve? No, that is rubbish.
2: From the conversations I have had, the experience of rapidly changing workplaces, conditions and employment, combined with a government that has proven to be willfully ineffective, I think this has been quite a catalyst for many key workers. COVID-19, as many have said, has exacerbated divisions and inequality. And the stark revelation of this is not something that will quickly leave Amy, who works in hospitality.
0: And I always say in hospitality, we've got Stockholm Syndrome. We love our captors, We love the industry, but we hate it at the same time because they've got us and we're stuck. And COVID shattered that illusion. Once that illusion shattered, you can then see so many other things that aren't right. And it's a massive domino effect. It shouldn't be a competition as to who has the worst conditions and saying that's the best thing. It should be, oh, well, I win because I've got better pay than you for less hours. That, that's what we should be aiming for. Once you see it, you can't not see it.
2: For Carol, who works with people in assisted living with learning difficulties, the greenhousing of existing inequalities under COVID-19 has proved to be exasperating. I suppose it begs the question, if this is how you treat people you regard as essential, what is going to happen when the government stops lionising them?
0: What do we have to do? What does it take? What do we have to do to get recognition and to get awarded decent pay i don't i don't feel we're asking for a lot asking for the real living wage especially when your cost of living is going up just so wrong in all ways isn't it we thought going through the pandemic staff putting the lives at risk like they have done would help us to be recognized and awarded better pay, we're the frontline workers, we're the ones that are hands on.
2: As quickly as the phrase key workers arrived, it can disappear, to be replaced with "pretty Patel's low-skilled. From there, low-skilled, well, it's just a hopper skipping a jump away from greedy, lazy saboteurs and the enemy within. The pandemic had not even begun to take its deadly grip on the country when the establishment began another routine bout of scapegoating. Rachel is a teacher who, along with every teacher I've spoken to, has had enough of being a convenient target for drive-by commentators.
4: There's so much teacher bashing in the media. I just blank it out, to be honest. I don't I don't really pay it a great deal of attention because... And if anyone ever says to me, if anyone ever says that to me, to my face, my response always is, you know what? Why don't you come and join me in my classroom for a day, for a week? and then tell me that teachers are lazy fuckers. In what profession would you question the judgment of that professional? I've got a degree, I've got a PGCE, and I've got a master's degree. At what point am I not qualified to give a grade to a child that I have taught? With 20 years of experience, a degree, a PGCE, and in my case a master's, I just have to ask the question, at what point do you not think I'm qualified to give that judgment? And if you don't think I'm qualified to give that judgment, why are you employing
2: me? Well, looking at government-awarded contracts, I think it's fairly obvious they don't like people who are qualified to do the job at all. If you doubt me, two words, Harding and Dido. As the UK's death toll climbed to the position of worst in Europe, schools were asked to reopen to more students, and Williamson ordered badges for teachers with the word safe on it. I might have made that last bit up. But safe or protected... Is not something Jack, another teacher, felt.
1: I remember the Daily Mail one specifically, kind of let our teachers be heroes. And it's like, you know, the NHS kind of heroes. And that, that word really kind of disturbs me because the word hero suggests sacrifice. It's that kind of sort of, you, know, you have to be heroic. Like, I don't want to be a hero. I'm happy to be a professional who's respected, trained, well paid, who is very happy fulfilling their altruistic purpose. Um, Harem is, is a word that scares me when it comes from somebody else, who, you know, who wants you to do something that they themselves do not want to do, and especially if they don't want to pay any more money for doing it. The Daily Mail is a benchmark for incivility
2: in this country, a kind of plimsoll line for civic bile. The lack of respect for the danger key workers faced was not lost on Patrick.
1: But Most tube drivers want to come in and do their job and come into work and do their job properly. And, uh, you know, if, if people hadn't got COVID, they were coming into work. And uh, the only time I ever missed during all this um, pandemic was when I actually had COVID. That was the only time I've had off. And sometimes it's a bit galling when you see people that have spent the last year at home, you know, in, in, their, in their dressing gown, sending emails telling you um, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing.
2: The Tory equation that low income equals low value comes with a whole set of matching class baggage straight from the poor laws. And part of the baggage is the noxious belief that people get low pay because they're not clever enough to get high wages, a myth easily disproven by the job record of Priti Patel. The Tory contempt for those on low pay extends to organised labour. Part of the Tory's very raison d'etre is to break unions in order to pay more low incomes. The government might claim to be grateful and they might all clap on the one show in question time, but we all know this will pass. The government applause will vanish as quickly as Johnson's promises. I don't know when that will be, but I do know his promises have a use-by date on them. They're normally backdated. They tend to go off pretty quickly and perhaps that's why he hides in fridges to make them last longer. The last of today's keywords goes to underground driver,
1: Noel. Key workers, essential workers, whatever, oh, you're doing such a great job and well done, and you're so essential to the economy. But then when it comes down to pay and conditions, if we try and fight back, you know, three, four months from now, the media will be calling us selfish for going out on strike, for trying to protect our pay and terms and conditions we're just money grabbers and we just want more money you know we're not we're not rich people who work on the underground we're not living in big mansions and driving around in bentleys or anything
2: thanks for listening and i hope you'll join me next week for another episode of Keywords, when workers talk about stepping up to the challenge of covid19 Keywords is recorded, written and narrated by Mark Thomas. The series producer is Susan McNicholas. The sound editor, Helen Atkinson. It is designed by Greg Matthews, PR by Kim Manning-Cooper and Christine DeLeon. Thanks for all the trade unions from branch level to national level who have supported this podcast. A full list of supporters is available on the Mark Thomas Info website. Till next week, goodbye.
0: It's been great talking to you as well. It's great to have somebody actually listening to it.
2: Thank you, Mark. It was a pleasure for me to.
0: No problem. I'll speak to you soon, Mark.
1: And just yeah, feel free to uh, reach out if there's anything else you need to know. Okay then. Thanks a lot,
0: Mark. You take care.